Hello and welcome to Influence by Fitby. We bring you the life stories of the world's most popular people, influencers, how they started, what they do and where they plan to be. Tune in every week to follow the journey. Maybe you're a budding influencer looking for some tips or perhaps you're a brand looking to kick off an influencer marketing campaign. At Influence by Fitby, you'll hear it from the horse's mouth. Interested? Then subscribe, sit back and listen. And if you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a positive review. Enjoy. Hello. On this episode, we chat to dietitian and nutrition expert Kat Kimber, aka Nude Nutrition Road, who explains why she's on a mission to strip the nonsense from diet fads and why intuitive eating might be the answer. If you're an influencer and would like to feature on our podcast or a brand looking to sponsor an episode, feel free to get in touch by emailing team at fitby.agency. So listen on and get to know more about Kat. It's great to speak to you today, Kat. Um, We really enjoy reading your your Instagram account and looking at your feed. You're very factual. You're one of the um, few influencers that does actually come with um, a background of professionalism. Yours is obviously in nutrition um, and you know a lot about it. So um, yeah, would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Yeah, well, thank you for having me on board. Um, I am, so I am a, a registered dietitian and I predominantly help those who are struggling with their relationship with food perhaps swinging from being in diet land so being good eating really well and then kind of falling off the wagon and swinging over to diet uh, to donut land um and and helping those that are constantly in that cycle just find somewhere natural and normal in the middle where they're eating in tune with their body's needs rather than relying on external tools such as point systems calories meal trackers meal plans to tell them what to eat and when to eat and how much to eat and so I predominantly I work with a lot of women and I work with men as well but a lot of women experience these difficulties with food usually as a side effect of dieting chronic dieting and there's a lot of confusion around dieting, actually. I was having a conversation with someone this morning. Um, it's like, oh, I'm not dieting, I'm just eating healthy. And whatever method that we use to try and shrink our bodies or um, lose weight essentially is a diet. Um, and that can result in us um, getting stuck in the dieting sort of mentality and engaging in dieting behaviours and then as a consequence suffering with the negative side effects of dieting which are things such as feeling out of control around certain foods, weight going up and down, um, weight yo-yoing, binge eating, secret eating, body dissatisfaction. Um, Yeah so in a long-winded way I am a registered dietitian. My background is working in the NHS in a clinical setting, um, but I'm now more passionate about supporting those who have a problematic relationship with food. And in fact, that is about 75% of women in Western societies. Um, so, yeah, but it's, hel- it's kind of helping people recognise that I'm out there to help them with the issues that they're struggling with around food, which I think become part and parcel of being a woman you know it's just normal for us to feel like we've got to restrict certain food groups or to eat a certain way to stay in a certain body shape or size to fit into society's idea of what we should look like that is so interesting and I think 99% of people have all when you put it like that I think 99% of people have definitely um had some sort of not issue with such, but you know, definitely have um, 
tried a diet or want to change their body or want to um, possibly react to something that's happening in their life. And I think that diet is it plays a massive role in that. So that's really interesting. Um, can you tell us a bit about how you got into it? Yeah, so I, um, well, I, when I was younger, I always had an interest in food and I wanted to be a chef actually when I was a kid. And I was 12, 13, and at that time I was actually quite chubby. Um, I was bigger than my friends, not, not, you know, not, not too big, but I was chubby. And I, um, I remember I started dieting at the age of like 11, 12, which is interesting because a lot of my clients, that's where they start. You know, that's where it starts. Um, and I remember like taking diet pills and doing like these secretive little things to try and control my weight. And I just kind of, yeah, I had an interest in, in nutrition as well. And I think a lot of that was around my own kind of interest in trying to manipulate my body. Um, nothing majorly extreme but just yeah just dieting like and I didn't really know at the time and I went on and did my um degree in nutrition and dietetics I had an interest in nutrition and I went up to Nottingham University and I didn't know that what a dietitian was at the time and and I said to them oh, I want to do this biochemistry degree but only because it's got a nutrition module in there and they said oh have you heard about this degree in nutrition and dietetics and I hadn't and what it did was sort of combine my love of food my mum was a nurse and I really had that kind of I had that interest in the nursing side of things as well but I didn't want to be a nurse and it yeah I didn't really know that a dietitian was a kind of healthcare professional a bit like a occupational therapist or a physio that could work in the hospital um and so I went on to do that degree and I also felt at that time I would learn everything that I needed to know about the perfect diet and how to help everyone else achieve the perfect diet and how to also keep my weight in check. Um, and I guess what I learned on that degree is that nutrition is very, very, very grey. It's not, it's not at all black and white. Um, there's a lot of things that we don't know. There's a lot of things that we do know, um, but yeah, more things that we don't know than we do know. Um, and so I did that degree and I went and worked in the NHS. I was working with very sick patients that were hooked up to dialysis. You know, I was a specialist kidney dietitian for a while or working with those that were ill that couldn't eat. So they'd be fed via a tube through their gut. And whilst I was loving all this clinical stuff, um, I'm working on like the intensive care unit, really interesting. I still had my own issues with food and I would find myself doing really sensible, you know, the, the more I knew, the more sensible my diets got. And they were just things like, I don't know, calorie counting, choosing the low fat options all the time. And but what I found myself doing was just swinging between being really, really restricted with my eating and then binge eating and feeling out of control. And just going round and round and round, experiencing the same old emotions year after year, really. It went on for a number of years for me um, when I look back at it. Um, and in front of everyone, I would be putting on this false face, like I was the healthiest person in the world, in the world eating, eating the healthiest diet. But then actually I'd find myself leaving that dinner party or leaving that meal or, um, you know, finding myself overeating on the way home or secretly eating the Nutella up the jar like just just feeling really really out of control around food and I just couldn't get a handle on it um I then when I went along to a it was like a eating disorder seminar at the Royal Society of Medicine in London and at that time I I'd learned about disordered eating and eating disorders but at university but I'd never really been practicing that in my clinical job and it wasn't until I went to this seminar that I was, I was like oh my god I like I hit so many of these criteria for an eating disorder um and that's when I was like I've really got to do something about this it's affecting my relationships with my friends and my family I just had like a real funny thing with food um 
and and all of it was related to trying to control my weight and this constant fear that if I let go of these restrictions my weight is just going to go up and up and up and I'm just going to pop and get really fat um and because we live in a culture that puts so much emphasis on being thin and in a smaller body of course a lot of us fear being in a larger body because in this society it's not accepted um anyway that's a bit of a side a side thing but um I then realized I needed to seek some support I remember like frantically calling up psychologists and psychotherapists and people on the way home just like oh my god I've got to get this thing sorted out and I went to have some support for a little while and it didn't really help me that much um but then I came across this whole new world of of non-diet nutrition and intuitive eating which is the work that I do now and I realized that yeah I had I didn't have an issue there was there was nothing wrong with me as a person what was wrong is the society that we live in that puts such a high value on body weight and body size over our health and well-being um and at this time I was also working in a ironically at this time I was also working in like a private weight management clinic in uh, West London and not only had I experienced my own side effects of dieting um I was noticing this in the hundreds of women that I worked with and I had to leave that job I was like I can't this is so wrong it's so wrong to be encouraging women to try and manipulate their bodies not that I'm (laughs) anti-health in any way it's definitely um the work that I do is about promoting health physically and mentally but it's not about manipulating body weight and size because because for a lot of people that results in in problems with food so I kind of had to retrain a little bit um and um you know linked up with various other professionals did more qualifications and have now moved into this area of working with those that have a troubled relationship with food not full-blown eating disorders although I have got some clients that are on you know nearer to that end of the spectrum but those that are on the spectrum of of having a problematic relationship with food um but a lot of a lot of women just as I say they don't quite realize that they have an issue with food until you kind of point out their pain points and help them realize that they don't need to live their life like that. Um, quite often when we're dieting or fixated on what we're eating all the time and what our body looks like, we're actually not living our life to the fullest. And a lot of women that I work with, I'll, I'll ask them, and men, if they think about their brain as a pie chart, what percentage of their brain is consumed by food and body image thoughts? And I know for me, it was like 80%. And I know for a lot lot of people I work with, it's anywhere from like 30 to 90%, 100% even. And then when we think about, okay, well, what would you like that to be? Um, And they'll say maybe 10% or 15% or 20%. It's just amazing to help people realise their potential when they're not so fixated on trying to control themselves all the time. does that does this make sense? Yeah, no, complete sense. It's just so interesting. Like it's um Yeah. Yeah, to think that's you it sounds like you almost scratched your own itch. Um so you oh, had some yeah. you know, you noticed that there was something that you didn't like about yourself and then you started to inquire, look into it, and it's kind of fed on from there. Um but the quest is huge, right? Because the market size is massive and everyone has some sort of issue. So mm. I think you're um yeah keep pushing because there's tons of work to do yeah and I think you know brands are jumping on board with this kind of body positivity and you know it's not a diet but anything that is pursuit of weight loss is a diet Um, and so with this intuitive eating I don't know if you've heard about intuitive eating but it's an evidence-based framework to help people get back in touch with their natural signals to tell them what to eat when to eat how much to eat a bit like children, they eat when they're hungry, they stop when they've had enough, um, they'll go off and play, um, move their body and yeah, if you if you put a plate of food in front of them, maybe they'll eat sort of half a sandwich, they'll eat a biscuit or maybe they'll leave half of it and they'll go off and play and 
as we as we grow older we're taught to finish everything on our plate before we can eat our pudding um you know we're, we're told that x food is bad and this food is good and there's just so many rules and judgment and a lot of people are interested in intuitive eating but it's it's something that you know it's taken me like a year and a half or it took me about a year and a half to really get my head around what it was and so there's a lot of confusion around this whole sort of non-diet industry um and yeah so I I definitely think it, it is it is kind of booming and it is the message is increasing but I also think the message is getting twisted and co-opted into something that it's not as well so I think that's where where we need to be careful yeah I can fully understand that um that's uh that's your plight I guess that's what you stand for isn't it so um Mm -hmm. it's let's talk about your social media feed Mm -hmm. um your Instagram feed in particular, how, when did you start and what made you start your, uh, your social media account on Instagram? Yeah, I started my Instagram account, I think probably four or five years ago. And that was when I, no, what was it? Maybe six years ago, even I started a private practice whilst I was working in the NHS. I had my own clinic on the side. And I remember starting to put some nutrition information out there on on my Instagram and I was so embarrassed I didn't want anyone to find it (laughs) I didn't want any of my friends or family to sort of see what I was up to on the side um and I think at that time it's because I didn't really have any confidence in what I was doing I wasn't quite sure about my message um I was also very new as a practitioner and so I was didn't have the confidence that the information I was putting out there was um not correct but just communicated right and and so I, I did that for a little bit and then I dropped it. And then when I started this business a couple of years ago, I picked it up again and I was just really excited about it because I knew what I was doing, why I was doing it and, and my kind of values and I had a clear message and a clear purpose. But it is uncomfortable. There there was like Instagram and Facebook and things as a non-professional weren't something that I spent a lot of time on. I wouldn't be the person to kind of Instagram my life and what I was up to, to my friends and family. But I felt like with a business, I had to. And uh, yeah, it's pretty uncomfortable. But that, so then that really picked up, I guess, two years ago. And it's now, it's now just growing. And I initially started by doing quite a lot of hashtag strip the nonsense um, nutrition information and it's now evolved into more around this intuitive eating non-diet message um, so I kind of niche down my business so I'm not just a bit of like a oh anything nutrition related come to me it's it's a little bit more niche yeah but I still like to tap into strip the nonsense as well um, I guess part of what I do is is about stripping the nonsense anyway it's just yeah, I just target the information that I put out to my to my ideal audience. Amazing. Um, do you feel the pressure of social media? Yeah, hundred percent. It's really yeah, I do. And interestingly, interestingly, this week my phone, my iPhone, has broke, and I have. It's called a ZTE. It's basically like going 10 years back in time. And I can barely use Instagram on there. And it's been like, it's been so refreshing, actually, just for a few days. It's making me a little bit anxious because I know that about a quarter or a third of my clients come to me via social media. And so from a business perspective, it's, it's not ideal that it's not working. But from a mental health perspective, I think it's really it just highlights to me that yeah there there is a lot of pressure and I definitely go through my ups and downs with it with Instagram um of feeling quite excited by it and excited about the power of it um because you can you know you can't control the media you can't control what's out there but you can control what you consume and it's quite I think it's quite um freeing to be able to kind of curate your own social media feed and I always encourage my clients to follow a diverse range of different body shapes and sizes. And if they think about their life as a pie chart to 
make sure their Instagram represents that pie chart of all of their different hobbies and interests and friends and family. Um, but when it's for work, yeah, you can just, I find that I'm constantly comparing myself to what other people are doing in the industry. And that can make you feel quite small sometimes. And it can prevent you from moving forward. And I, whilst I want to know what other people are up to and I follow those, I'm, I'm like, because you want to be current, you want to keep up with what's going on. At the same time, I, I just sometimes wish I wasn't aware, I wasn't following. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard. Some people that just kind of one week they make make you feel good, and other weeks they don't. But because it's work, it feels like there's a different pressure to to be on there. Um, and I constantly have to remind myself that the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is for those that need my support. And it's really lovely to receive that feedback from you know, direct messages and people saying, oh, I love what you do, thank you, really help me. Um, but yeah, the, the pressure I feel like comes from other companies or other brands more than from my audience, my client audience. I think you'll find you're not alone there. Um... <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I've never really had this little conversation before, but I'm sure you, yeah, you've, you've had lots of conversations with different people yeah is that the common thing yeah absolutely i think that you know mental health and social media well it's well documented in in the um in the press that Mm. lots of people have um found that their anxiety levels increase when it comes down to um maintaining their social media feed because they feel the pressure of trying to keep up with peers or um, social media kind of peers i guess um and it can become all too consuming. So it's really good you've got some time out with that, that phone you've got at the moment. But um, yeah, make the most of it because when you've got your iPhone back, then you're back in business and it's back to the grind and it's back to that kind of um, instant connectivity and, you know, on-demand um, availability. So um, yeah. yeah make the most of it. And also I think what I find quite difficult on social media is this balance between sharing your personality and your life and what you're up to versus sharing work-related content and because I am my brand people want to get to know me um, but at the same time I don't ever want anyone to compare themselves to the things that I get up to and feel inadequate um and so it's striking that balance between being authentic sharing the highs and the lows but I know that you know I live down in Paul I live on the south coast and I'm always out like cycling and paddleboarding and and doing lots of outdoor activities and I know that that isn't relatable to some people but at the same time it's like some people want to see that as well um, and they feel like that that's how they get to know me so it's it's kind of it's tricky and I do various polls and things like, oh, do you want to see more of this? And people are like, yeah. But, yeah, I, I do find it uncomfortable striking that balance. Um, you know, if I'm out, for example, doing a 50-mile bike ride on the weekend, how does that make the person feel looking at my feed that doesn't ride a bike or can't ride a bike or, you know, doesn't do that level of activity um, I just don't want them to feel like they com- need to compare themselves to me or feel like they can't relate to, you know, my work and think, well, I can't be an intuitive eater because I can't do that or I can't, I don't know, improve my relationship with food and my body because I can't do that. Um, tricky. I do find it tricky, but I think we're all think, learning, aren't we, on it? Yeah, it, we are just, it's test and learn, isn't it? Um, and mm. I think that, if I were you, just keep doing you. Don't try to please everyone. Um, mm-hmm. Do what works for you because I think people are inspired by people like yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that majority of your followers are probably aspirational. And so by you showing them what's possible, it might give them the guess of and go to, yeah, they might not live next to the sea, but mm-hmm. they might then go to a local pool and go for a swim, which they may yeah. have never done. Yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't get too caught up in it. I would definitely do what feels right to you without having to think too much about the wider implications. Obviously, you don't want to show yourself, you know, down at the pub, 
getting smashed if you're a no, dietitian. You don't want people to think that you live this kind of perfect bubble lifestyle that doesn't, you know, that, that, that means you don't go out and have a few too many drinks or you don't, um, I don't know, have your down days or, and so it's hard, isn't it, to strike that balance because you don't, it is a it is a highlight reel and I don't want to be the one that kind of contributes to people feeling rubbish because yeah no I think you yeah. I think from what I can see your balance is right I think your feed is really good it's really clear <laughs> and concise but I think as long as you story about things like we've just been speaking about yeah definitely. I think those, those stories should be the inspiring um it's inspiring enough for those that, that follow you to want to do things that might be out of the ordinary or just to get to know you a bit more because people want to get to know you, but it's very hard for you to ex- to show them that side of your life on your feed without corrupting your feed because obviously your feed is it's a feed that's directed in a certain way. But definitely mm. story about those things. I mean, that that's that's that would be my advice to you from what I can see. Yeah, definitely. That's what people look at as well. It's that sort of authentic side to exactly. A lot of people are reluctant to use the term influencer. What are your thoughts? Yeah, when I when you asked me about that, I I'm like, oh my god, yeah, I am an influencer, I guess. I mean, everyone's an influencer in their own way, whether it be me influencing, you know, if I wasn't doing this job, me influencing my friend through a conversation I've had and sharing with some her something that I like or know, or you know, I think we're all influencers in our own way. Um, but on social media, I would say. I guess an influencer is someone that has a message that they believe in, that they want to share, um, that they're trying to kind of share with a wider audience outside of their close friends and family. Um, I, When I think of the word influencer, I think of, I don't know, someone like Kim Kardashian promoting skinny tees on Instagram with, I don't know, millions of followers. And I don't think of, myself with my nine ten thousand followers as an influencer but i guess i guess i am yeah i mean i am an influencer but yeah i think yeah you are which definitely i think anyone that has a select crowd of people that follow them yeah has to consider themselves an influencer it's just it's been portrayed as such a dirty word i think it has yeah and it is like you said you can influence your loved ones or parents or someone to go on holiday with you because you want to go to a certain destination doesn't mean that you're manipulative it just means that you're expressing your opinion and you know and telling people about what you believe in um yeah people do use it for um monetary purposes to get people to buy things that aren't necessarily what they believe in yeah that's where it's been muddied um but nonetheless interesting um yeah and i think about um what's that program of uh, where they had the festival um fire fire festival oh yeah my god wow that's yeah. really manipulative yeah and so when i think about influence right I, I do think about that and i do i do see it as a negative in a negative way but maybe i think i see it in a negative way based on five years ago i think it's becoming less actually that's wrong i don't think it's becoming less negative but <laughs> i think there are more positive influence out influences out there for sure than there were five years ago yeah and i think this whole kind of transparent authentic movement that a lot of yeah. good influences are kind of signed up to you know unofficially um has made the whole landscape slightly clearer and yeah. also i think that a lot of um followers can smell bs a mile off and yeah. if people aren't authentic they will just unfollow them um and if yeah. they're trying to sell them a product that they know that person doesn't believe in, then they know that they're just getting paid to sell something that they don't really believe in. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think the landscape is changing. Um, and I think yeah. I'm a bit distorted as well. Like, I'm because I'm very, very conscious of my feed and who I follow, I don't get sucked into that as much because I don't see it. You know, if, as soon as I smell BS, like, I, yeah, I unfollow and I just don't. Or I actually sometimes, I quite often report people yeah. <laughs> on social media when I just see something I think is unethical and wrong. 
Um, and so I'm just very much maybe more aware of it and aware of the consequences of that because whilst we know that something on Instagram might be rubbish, it does play, Instagram plays to that, it's called the picture superiority effect where pictures do have more influence on us than words. And if we see something enough times, we start to believe that it's true. Even if in our brain, we're like, I know that that girl drinking that green smoothie didn't get that body through drinking that green smoothie. But if we see that 10, 15 times, we actually start to believe that's true. And then we start to believe that we need to eat in a certain way to look a certain way. And that's when it becomes quite damaging. But I'm, I think I'm quite conscious of that. So I... Um, yeah, I guess I'm not. Um, I'm not, I'm not ex- ex- um, exposed to it too too much. I don't think. Interesting. Um, what a question for you. Mm-hmm. What would you tell a newbie to social media who wants to become an influencer? I just. Um, I don't. I think going in with that mindset of I want to become an influencer. It's. Um, I would be interested to know rather than you know what does that mean to her or him what what does that what does influencer mean to them and I would really want to be know like have an understanding of of who they're trying to target what's their message what are their passions um because actually when it comes to starting your own business or becoming an influencer you really need to be true to yourself and if your motive behind that is, I don't know, to make money off the back of a product that you don't really believe in or to push something for the wrong reasons, it's going to backfire because when you're starting your own business or you're in an industry, it's really, it's really hard work. As, you know, for me, I, I quit my job and went full time doing what I'm doing. So maybe that's quite an extreme thing. And if you're doing something on the side, it's a bit different. But that it's a roller coaster and if I didn't have that passion or if you don't have that passion behind you um it can easily crack because as an influencer or as a someone that's got a business with a message you do have to be extremely resilient and extremely you know have, have extremely strong beliefs in what you do and and know who you're targeting so my advice to someone that wants to become an influencer is what your motives what's your message is it clear who your target audience are you passionate about it like deeply passionate about it and to have resilience as well um and to recognize that there's going to be ups and downs there's going to be people that don't agree there's going to be people that love what you do and just like you said to me earlier just to be authentic and be yourself rather than trying to be something for the sake of social media's purposes cool Good advice. Um, can you name some of your good and bad experiences? I, I think the good experiences are when you get people direct messaging you, just saying like, "Thank you," like out of the blue, you've really helped me. I love what you do. Or, I mean, I've had discovery calls with clients, and it sounds crazy, but they're almost a bit starstruck to talk to me. And I think that's just so lovely. And I think you don't realise as an influencer on social media how much of an influence you have until you have these conversations with those that that really love what you do and that really support you. But sometimes you don't really know that they're following you and you don't really know that they've got your back and that they're supporting you and they are benefiting from you until you kind of have those conversations. So that that's really lovely I would say the downside maybe not on I guess downside to social media is like having that base in your feeling like your worth or your business is is tied up to how many likes and comments you get on your social media feed I think that you know is it is something that I'm consciously looking at and I'm like why am I bothered I've got less likes on this post than the next thing I just think it's crazy um I guess it's yeah, that that's a bit silly, but I have had times where, like, if we're talking about not just social media but other media, I've written for like magazines and 
I've written articles or contributed to articles and they've been twisted to promote products that I would never promote. Uh, I had that last year with a quite a well-known female magazine and one went to print and another one was online so the online version could get could have got you know, got changed but the the article that I wrote that went to print that got changed I know it was like 25,000 copies or something that went out and I, I think that can be the downside of I guess that's probably more like journalist journalists and things but um is when yeah your message is twisted um, by other people um in other forms of media yeah never nice to be honest and um yeah it's uh that is the power of of the media in general i guess is when they do that type of thing and then people think that what they've written is gospel it's, um, mm-hmm. it's it's yeah it's it's not nice yeah, um, it on social media but it does happen on in other forms of media no i get it completely um how do you want to be received on my social media on your social media i want to be received as someone who's really empathetic who is authoritative but in not in a way that's like i know your body better than you do but in a way that's you know where people recognize that i'm qualified um there's a lot of people out there that are on social media we're talking about nutrition that aren't qualified the wellness industry isn't regulated and people are getting very very confused and frustrated and so I want people to come to me knowing that they're receiving credible nutrition information from a professional not to feel judged um and to feel that they can openly ask me any question and I'll get back to them not with my opinion but with what we know what we don't know so that they can form their own um opinion or um, idea of what's best for them I want it to be a platform that raises awareness so that people can find me find a little bit more about what I do on my social media but actually know where else to go to be directed to more information on particular topics um and I want it to be a place where where people can feel free of feeling judged about their body size about their weight to feel free from any sort of rules and diets um meal plans anything like that any any diet rules um and to be a place where they can really feel freedom from the diet culture um, that is in most other places online, on social media. Um, I think never really thought about it in too much depth. But I just get this kind of gut feeling of what I want people to feel. Um, That's powerful. I think you're doing a good job of um, of getting that across to your um, to your followers. Where are most of your followers based? Oh, interesting question. I have got the business insights and. London, actually, um, America, Australia, predominantly London, though. Okay. But I've not looked at the stats in the last, I've not looked very, very recently, so it's not on the front of my mind. Okay, cool. Um, slightly off topic, but what are your thoughts regarding supplements, protein subs and pre-workouts and the like? Um. I think there's a lot of confusion about them. There's certainly a, there's certainly a place. However, the you know, I guess I my advice to my clients that ask me about this these sort of things, it's they sometimes feel like that they have to have a pre workout or post workout shake in order to kind of make sure their workout um, is optimal, and a lot of people don't realize that you can get the same recovery uh you know what you need in terms of recovery protein carbohydrates fluids from food and so i like to understand with that individual what their desires are to have those certain products um you know what the motives are where they've received their information 
and to help explore the options with that individual, what, what's right for them. Because for some people, a protein shake is really convenient, it's tasty, um, and, it, and it really works for them in terms of a, a quick recovery after a workout. Um, however, for other people, they're, they're eating it or drinking it because they think they have to, and it's what they think they should, rather than because they're getting enjoyment and satisfaction from that food, and it's it's bringing them joy. Um, so it, it really does depend on the individual. I wouldn't say that there's a blanket statement that's good or bad, but I do feel like, as a, as a general, they're often targeted towards... Um, those that are trying to kind of shape their body it's targeted to that sort of gym culture which is about like body transformations and things um <laughs> cool yeah excellent um name an instagram account that you love and check out regularly um i really love i really love like the food medic comes to mind Dr. Hazel Wallace. I think she's quite um, she's quite balanced in her view about things, and I love the fact that she brings experts on board and recognises that she's not the expert of anything nutrition, everything nutrition and medical. Um, so I like that <clears throat> about her, about her in general, and I think maybe through listening to her podcast as well. But maybe just because she she seems to be popping up on my feed quite a lot at the moment. Um, so I like, yeah, there's loads of different people I like, but she just sprung, sprung into my mind. Good, good, good. Who would be the best brands that you would like to work with? Oh, I'm always interested in looking for new brands. I'm interested in, in working with brands that are interested in moving away from this kind of diet culture that are interested in body diversity and body acceptance whether that be through um i don't know bikini brands clothing brands and when it comes to food i'm interested in working with brands that are there to promote satisfaction enjoyment and that feel good factor from food rather than it being um i don't know a food that's designed to try and trick your body into thinking it's satisfied um and full so like the sort of low calorie brand so yeah working with, with brands that may be new to the kind of non-diet space or are keen to promote a positive message around food but need a little bit of extra support from a professional who works with those to ensure that they have a positive relationship with food um, so there are lots and lots of brands out there doing positive things, but I sometimes struggle to find those that aren't pushing a message about dieting um, subtly. It's always a subtle message. It's not normally a kind of in-your-face message, but I see something, I get excited about it, and then I'm like, oh, God, another diet food. Um, <laughs> so, Or maybe they're promoting body diversity, but actually still only going up to a size 14 rather than beyond that so yeah I'm really I, I think there are a lot of new brands popping up and I'm keen to work with foodie brands but also non-foodie brands and um, that have a positive message message about health and bodies um mental health as well cool what does a perfect day look like to you oh um a perfect day I wake up, I have my green smoothie. I'm joking. I <laughs> wake up, a perfect day. Oh, I probably get up at like seven-ish. My boyfriend's home. He's not home very often, so it's always lovely to wake up next to him. Um, I would get up, have a nice breakfast with Stuart, coffee or with my friend at home. Um, and take a bit of time over that but kind of like an early start and then I would I like to kind of get out and go and maybe if it was like on a weekend by nine o'clock we're on our bikes and 
we're going on an adventure <laughs> and we're gonna ride for a couple of hours stop have a picnic or stop and have lunch at a cafe that we've kind of planned on riding to um kind of potter back come back have a bit of food if we need it chill out for a bit and then I would say there'd be something like social in the evening whether it be like a barbecue with my friends or um going to someone's house for like a dinner party so you involve something that's like a little bit active a little bit outdoors but also a bit of home comfort as well so you've kind of been outside for half the day but then you're in for the other half of the day and you can just sort of chill out and spend some time getting ready before going and doing something in the evening <laughs> sounds good yeah. to me sounds never really thought me. that much about it <laughs> no it's, it's, it's interesting mm. what's the one thing that not many people know about you i used to dinghy sail for great britain Wow. But not many people know about that. What is dinghy sailing? Dinghy sailing. So, you know, like you've got yachts, the big yeah. boats. Dinghies are like the little two-man boats. Uh, like little one or two-man boats, the little sailing boats, basically. Amazing. And I used to sail in 420s. But I think because my current, my boyfriend, he's, um, he's an Olympic sailor and he's now going to Tokyo which is really exciting but because I've been with him for like the last five and a half six years my little stint at GBR for a few years in sailing almost feels like nothing against that <laughs> against what he does so I forget I'm like oh yeah I used to sail for Great Britain and when I you know mention it to people um not very often I when it comes up in a conversation like they're like oh really I never knew that about you and I think it's because I kind of just downplay it a little bit because of Stuart. <laughs> Amazing. Good for Stuart too. I mean, you're both like a bit of a dream team. It's good stuff. I like it. Yeah. Describe <laughs> <laughs> um, it as a dream team. I've never, yeah, never thought about it like that. <laughs> <laughs> what are your plans for the future? Uh, work or? <laughs> both. Work, work and life. Instagram. And Instagram. Ooh, um, Instagram, I... So work-wise, I think my current short-term plan is to just build up my client case, like um, my, my client load. At the moment, I'm, you know, I've got clients coming through the door, which is great, and I want to make sure that's consistent and really full um, consistently because I'm learning so much from my clients. And then beyond that, I would like to create like an online build like an online empire of where people can go to receive um online support courses uh, maybe a podcast just just a hub where people can go to receive information about um freedom from dieting um non-diet nutrition nutrition and um and it's kind of yeah it, it's an online an online space and I don't know whether that'll be a membership, whether it'll be online courses, not quite sure yet, but I'm just currently learning. And my mentor, who's been brilliant, that I've been working with this year, is like just reining me in. He's like, Kat, no, just stay where you are, build this bit up, and then we'll kind of build on to move on to this online empire thing. So I sometimes try and walk before I can run. Um, so I... I think business-wise, I'd like to try and keep it online so that I can have more of a flexible lifestyle um, that enables me to, um, yeah, to reach a wider audience, but also not be locked into just doing one-to-one -one consultations. And um, Instagram, I guess, for me to just make sure I'm evolving with the social media world, I I don't know how long Instagram's going to be around. I, I, you know, it's only been around, what, 10, 10 years, nine years. And I imagine that something else may come along or it involves into something else. And I'd like to think that I can just grow with that, but also not rely on Instagram as my sole source of income um, or sole source of where I receive work. Because I think that's very dangerous. 
and to keep myself spread between social media but also the other platforms that I use to get clients or other ways that I use to to get clients excellent um can you elaborate on that what other ways do you um there are sort of I would say there are four buckets to where I receive um work and that is through social media google so focusing on my google rankings my seo constantly updating that with content and I work with experts to really help me keep keep myself at the front and up the top of google for what people are looking when people are searching for the sort of thing that I offer um and then partnerships so ensuring I'm constantly reaching out to um brands or constantly um guest writing for other people's blogs um and just exposing myself to other people's businesses um that align with mine and uh and then finally through events so when I go and speak at different events whether it be through doing my own event or speaking in different companies or speaking at other people's events I get clients that way as well so Google, partnerships Instagram events my four buckets channels this has been so insightful I'm sure a lot of people will get a lot of value from this. So, um, yeah, great stuff. Thanks so much, Kat. Um, have You're a great welcome. day. Thanks for giving us your time on this. And we will speak soon. Yeah, great. Thank you very much. Well, there you have it. Kat has shared what it takes to lead the life of a professional dietitian who has a growing influential personal brand on Instagram. If you're an influencer yourself and would like to feature on our podcast or a brand looking to sponsor an episode, feel free to get in touch by emailing us, team at fitby.agency. And if you like what you're listening to, please subscribe and rate the podcast as it really helps.